You are watching or listening to episode 107 of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. And on this episode, we're going to have to be very careful of our timing because Dave's third world country is slowly sinking into a sinkhole or a black hole. Either way, it may take him at least two weeks to get out. More on that in weeks to come. But for now, we're going to talk about some more Super League salt as they slowly move to march towards victory, much like the Iraqi information minister and other similar references. We will talk about Aaron Rodgers, and then we will talk about some wrestling, including a release of a person who probably shouldn't have been released. More on that on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You won't get a sense of it on the edited version, but this is what happens when I've got too many notifications on and I get distracted mid-sentence. I'm Carlos, and that's Dave. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How you doing, Carlos? Good. I literally had like five notifications pop on the screen literally mid-sentence there, and that's what like stalled me for a second. I was Sorry. like... It's okay, it happens. Okay, then. Jeez. Yeah, I, I had to turn a couple of things off, so I think we're okay now. But anyway, right. so um, otherwise, how's the week? Uh, you're uh, very you're very close to uh, having another devil spawn in this world whose life yes, you were Yes, that's correct. Uh, wife is supposed to be giving birth tomorrow. It's going to get yes. induced, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the summer school ended, mm-hmm. which is solid. And I'm kind of in a time warp a little bit. And I'll tell you this. this is I don't have a lot of interesting stuff this week because it's been a lot of just trying to finish up stuff before obviously the baby comes but i started watching a show and i've been watching it for a bit but i haven't been able to get too far through it because you know summer school would take up a lot of time as of course has my own child uh but i'm now in episode six i'm watching and i will watch eventually the whole all 22 episodes of thunder in paradise carlos do you know what that is yeah i know that's the whole kogan thing that's the that's the thing with the boat and yeah exactly yeah uh from i think 93 94 somewhere in there Basically, Thunder in Paradise came out right around the time that he was starting with WCW. So yeah, it well, right in that era. It, yeah, what happened was he finished with WWE or WWF at the time. Then he did this show because he was going to go into acting. And, the, you know, legend has it. So whether what, what are the actual stories, who knows, is that they were shooting on the same lot or part of the show was shooting on the same lot that did some WCW taping. Yeah. I think it was universal and, studio yeah. because they were, because they were doing the studio show at that time out of there. It was when they had the big blue ring and the whole bit in that era. And it was a spinning ring. It was, it was a very interesting setup they had there. It was, um, it was, it was a way to save costs. This is when Eric Bischoff was trying to cut costs and make them profitable. So it was part right. of that era. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then obviously he, the show only lasted one season. Then he joined WCW. But it's interesting to see the wrestlers in it. Like Sting's in a few episodes. Who's actually not bad. He's actually not bad in the show. Yeah. He's actually probably, of the wrestlers, Sting is actually probably the best actor in the show. Well, long term, that kind of jives, though, with the way he's built his character over time. Like if you really think about Hogan, Hogan was good at what he was good at. But as he was never a great actor, he was never Correct. at any point. Sting, though, has had to actually build characters. The Crow Sting thing probably should have only lasted a couple of months. Realistically, if you think about it, it's like, oh, so you're basically the Crow, but you're wrestling? Okay, cool. And yet he has been Crow Sting ever since. Mm-hmm. He was able to reinvent himself from Surfer Sting to Crow Sting, and now most people think of him as Crow Sting. So he has successfully was able to – and by the way, he was pretty successful as Surfer Sting. He was a multi-time world champion as Surfer Sting. But then he was able to continue his career forward all these years going forward. Now he's Crow Sting. Yeah, and that's just kind of who he is, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's, he's it's, built- yeah. And the thing is, like, as I, as I agree with you, like Hulk Hogan's not a great actor by any stretch. But the show is still entertaining in its way. Uh, and, and it's weird, though, because I just recently – having recently watched episode five – Thinking to myself, 
did I watch this back in the like you know there's certain moments of the show where I'm like have I watched this before because I'm not sure I don't think I have but maybe I did when it first came out and I just don't remember there's moments kind of that give me a little bit of deja vu and I'm like wait a minute but I don't know bad so anyway. deja vu is a real thing yeah apparently so there you go so that's that's been my week nice, nice. how about you Carlos uh, it's been good. It's been work, but then I took the Friday off because we have the long weekend. Uh, Monday is a stat, ho- uh, sorry, a civic holiday uh, around these parts, so it's nice to have the extra day. And I want to kind of ramp up to some other stuff I got to work on. Uh, <laughs> workload's going to pick up a little bit, so I got to make sure I got some stuff cleared off. But honestly, I just wanted a break. I was very tired. I just wanted to take a little bit of a rest. Uh, it's been charging up uh, that way. Otherwise, um, honestly, this weekend I've been having my fun. Uh, particularly this weekend, I've been having my fun keeping track of the happenings at the national. So Ooh. that's been, that's been going on. Yes, yeah. So this is where this you week. too can pay almost three hundred dollars for a Hulk Hogan autograph, or a Ric Flair autograph, or a picture of them together. Dude, so there's still time. Do you want? Actually, no. That happened. That they signed this afternoon. So that's he, it's already happened. But Hogan's Hogan's in Tampa. Go, you can fly down. That's true. Like. Psh- he shows up at the shop all the time. Who, who, who said you need to go to the National for that? You fly down to Tampa. You head over to the Hogan Estate. You're like, bro, let me in. It just, just, just. Apparently, if you, you know, you yell "brother" and turn around three times, he just appears. I, I've, I've heard this works. And if or, you say "brother, brother, daddy, brother," then he appears with autograph merchandise already. I, I like, I like that you stalled on that one. It's, like, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough transition to make, isn't it? It's like it's just not natural. <laughs> and yet so you managed it. It's like this is this is awkward and hilarious and awkward and hilarious. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, it's been interesting. I've been enjoying watching a lot of the vlogs and things that people have been making about it, um, and getting a lot you, of. Yeah, how many people of your circle, if you will, have gone to it? I would say um, probably about a half dozen of people that I at least okay. have, have had some decent dealings with. Now, I w- originally, I hadn't thought of it until now, but I'm going to, before we get into the topics, uh, you know what? I want to share this with you because it's so good and uh, I can explain the context of it. All right. I must share. I must share. Please do. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up one of my folders here. It'll take me a second. And then what I want to do is first I want to show it to you. And then what I'd like you to do, describe it because obviously we don't have the benefit for the people. Yeah, no worries. I, obviously. So we'll describe it to the best of your ability. And then what I'd like to do is I'd like you to uh, – I want I want you to th- share some thoughts on what you think you're seeing there. All right. So, okay. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grab – let me see if I can grab it. So first thing, yes, this will be the perfect one. So there's two pictures I'm going to show of the same guy and then a picture of uh, – and then a picture of something else as well. Okay. So we'll do this. So I'll explain once – first you'll describe it, then I'll explain it, and then it will all make more sense. Okay. So first one. This is, these are images taken from vlogs at the National. Okay. okay. So this is from mm-hmm. one of the videos. So sorry, before before we get this, this is what is the actual title for those of you us who I mean I know, but for the people who don't know, it's the National Sports Collectors Convention. So okay. NSCC. All right. So sports cards, autographs, memorabilia, that jazz. Absolutely. And a whole right. uh, and I'll I'll give more context about the national itself. But first I wanted to okay. look at these pictures because I I was playing a Where's Waldo game, finding weird shit. I was, I was having so, so much fun. I like this one. So, so here's a. I like. I like how the guys in the mask. That's cool. So some people are wearing masks, some people aren't. But he's holding a white bristleboard sign that says, "I've been waiting ten years, eleven months, and three days for my redemption." Yes, and he's near the Panini booth. Basically, Panini owes him a redemption that he's been waiting nearly eleven years for. Now, 
this was part of it. Like I said, this is just a screen capture of a video where this guy, the the guy on the right, basically was explain was basically asking, "Hey, uh, okay, I see your sign. What's the deal with the sign?" I had actually seen him in little cameo appearances around different videos, but nobody had actually taken the time to stand there and go like, "Okay, so what's the deal with the sign?" <laughs> nobody, had, nobody. Yeah. Yeah, so like he had the sign this whole time. He's kind of prancing around with it, but nobody had asked him. But this guy just said, you know what? I'm curious. Like, explain. Please give me the context. Right. So the guy explains that apparently he was owed a Jerry Jones um, autograph out of 50 out of one of the Panini football products. Um, and what was interesting about this is that he, he's been waiting almost 11 years for it. And basically he goes like, so what do you want? And he goes, well, I want it. First of all, I want it acknowledged that, you know, I've waited this long for this redemption. And then, you know, I want compensation basically and right. he goes so what do you think is fair he goes well uh, a tom brady autograph obviously and which of course made me cackle <laughs> I it was of course now, now i did my live stream i did my live stream yesterday and during the live stream i showed this picture and we had a good chuckle about it and then they were and we were all laughing about the tom brady thing because they know my my undying love of tom brady as you of know. course but the other aspect of it, as I said, was like, well, that first of all, that's not an equivalent. Jerry Jones for the Tom Brady one, you know, as much as I love Tom Brady, I love Tom Brady, it's not a fair trade. It's true. It's, it's not. It's not really a fair trade. But then, you know, one of the guys on the panel with me was like, so what do you think would be a fair trade? And I go, well, and one of them was like, wait, who's the owner of like the New England Patriots? And I go, Robert Kraft. And he goes, hey, what about Robert Kraft? I was like, well, what kind of Robert Kraft do you want? Do you get like a, like a, signed, uh, a signed receipt from a masseuse parlor? That might be fair. What? Too soon? I take that. Too soon? I take that. <laughs> it's like, that's the Now, that's part of the fun. So this is so I'm trying to find a good nickname for this guy though, because sometimes I like to make fun and I have my nicknames for these people. And I'm I don't want to call him sign guy, that's too obvious. Yeah, of but, course. But there's another aspect to this, Dave. And I want you to really pay attention to this. This is All important. Right. I'm okay. watching. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to emphasize something here. Bear with me a moment. I will make an adjustment. Look at it, Dave. What do you see? Nini? No, no, no. Look at his face. I see confusion. He's got the crazy eyes, Dave. He does he's have got, the crazy eyes. He's got the real crazy eyes. Like, Dave, they're not even subtly crazy eyes. They're like, I'm going to shank someone. I'm holding this <laughs> sign. It's like, and I, I made the joke. It's like, Panini, give this man what he wants. Look at him. Look at that man's – he's not even looking at the person who's talking to him. He's looking off in the distance to yeah. who knows what. So so that's one of the images I wanted to share. Give this man what he wants now. Now, here's the thing, Dave. So this was the first cameo of this guy, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to call him. I can't call him Crazy Eyes because that's taken. You know, sign guy, you know, Panini Redemption Man is kind of what I'm leaning towards. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to workshop it. I'm still trying to think of what, what the appropriate thing is. But that was the first time I had seen this guy okay. uh, where somebody had talked to him. Uh, and I had seen little mini cameos in other vlogs. But then today, a new vlog came out of one of the other channels, and I saw this. It's the same guy. Yeah. Now, Dave. Now he's wearing a suit. And his eyes are even crazier. There's a theme here, Dave. There's a very serious theme. Give this man what he wants. For the love of all that is holy before he attacks someone. Yeah. Give this man what he wants. I, I, think, I think you'll be happier if you give him what he wants. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. But, but here's the thing. I was thinking about this the other day. And, and this last one I just thought was funny. Do you see where the humor is for this for me? No. Okay, what's a, what, what does it say on the suitcase? Supreme. Okay, do you know what Supreme is? No. Okay, is this very, it's this very like uh, sneaker kid brand that they just slap Supreme on everything and it costs like $500. <laughs> Oh, okay. So it's like, it's the most like 
I'm a sneaker kid and I want to it's like show me you're a hype beast without telling me you're a hype beast I have supreme on my case yes you do sir yes you do gotcha and part of the reason I took the screen grab on this one is because on the live stream we were joking about the Pelican cases and somebody was joking about putting like uh you know like a brand on it goes well what if it's like uh you know, a Pelican case of, um, I forget which brand they went with, but then one of the guys says, oh no, Louis Vuitton. And I go, don't be foolish. Louis Vuitton, forget Louis Vuitton. I said, the correct answer is Supreme. And there one of the go. other ones on the screen just chuckled. That was last night. This vlog was from today. I took the screen grab and then I put it into a text message thread I'm on. And I just said, I'm going to put this picture right here. You know what? You know what this says? Vindication. <laughs> I like it. Carlos is right within less than 24 hours. I, like I can it. see the future. As if y'all didn't know. Exactly. The future. Exactly. But now, but Crazy Eyes is, 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 is a lot of fun for me. That, that was a fun one. But here's the thing about that as well. I was thinking about this. And as you well know, I like building a narrative universe around, you know, fictional or real characters that I've decided are more entertaining as fictional characters. Yeah. I did this with Kazoo some time ago. His life is boring. I don't care about him. He could be dead already. Who cares? The point is, though, his fictional life that I've made up for him is infinitely more interesting. You know, hookers and blow, dropping his face into a vat of cocaine. That's fun. You know, it's, a, yeah, it's a more, for much sure. more interesting. But um, I've decided that would be great for Panini Redemption Man with Crazy Eyes. What I think would be funny is if he's out there looking crazy, holding this sign, walking around, prancing around so that everybody sees him. But then what happens is at some point somebody goes to Panini and goes like, guys, you're going to do something about this? Like, give the man his freaking redemption. And they're like, we've been trying for 10 years to give him his redemption. His address is wrong. All he had to do was ask. It's like, yeah. But it's like, what it's like, he hasn't actually come by the booth to ask. <laughs> you know, keep walking around the whole the whole building and everything. It's like, but he never actually goes to ask for the redemption. He goes, yeah. we got it right here. <laughs> Jerry Jones flew in it himself. It's like, just come and claim it, sir. Come and claim it. Exactly. I think that would be infinitely funnier. It would be, for sure, 100%. Yeah, it's like, it's like did you actually try asking them for it? Or are you just going to walk around with the side forever? Walk around the sign, obviously. Yeah, but, but that's why I say, like, I like to think that my that my my explanation is now canon, and it's infinitely funnier. For but sure, just sitting there like, for the love of all that is holy, will you take the stupid redemption from us? We have it right here, sir. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so there you go. So I've been having some fun with the coverage of the national, obviously. Um, yeah, and it made for a good live stream. We had some fun with it, and I've uh, I've gotten to taunt and mock some of the folks that I know there out there. Apparently, though, it's nuts. Apparently, though, it's craziness. Um, and what I'll say, and it was very amusing. So, like I said, those screen grabs and everything were a lot of fun. I did enjoy. I did enjoy checking those out. But I'll uh, I'll show you one more thing, and then we'll get into the topics. Uh, I just, you know, once I kind of thought about it, I was like, actually, this would be fun to look at for a couple minutes. Let Let me show you one more thing here. All right. I think it'll be useful just to for me to highlight it for you. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you, and then I'll give context, and then I'll also explain the national thing for anybody who is not familiar. That way, we give the full package here. All right. So, so let me do one more here, and I can do this quick share screen for you. I'm not going to include the audio just so that uh, I can talk you through it, and I'm not going to play too much of this clip, but I can at least uh, show you. Okay, so here we go. Okay, so here is a YouTube video, and what I want to do is I'm going to start playing it, and then I'll talk you through a little bit what's going on, okay? Okay. So I'm going to mute it for myself because I can hear it even though you can't. So what basically this person is doing is they're walking around – through the hallways of a hotel uh -huh. and they were having a gathering of these youtubers uh who are all hanging out and gathering this is not this is not them 
This is actually just outside of that party that they had arranged. Because what happened is a lot of folks ended up showing up to the hotel as well. And an impromptu card show trade night broke out. These are people who are actually just here spontaneously who all ended up showing up and kind of starting up their own little mini card show. This is after hours That's of the hilarious. card show. I love this it. Is, this is after hours of the card show. By the way, the time they're showing this, this is like 7 or 8 p.m. This is after a full day of card show. So a bunch of these folks walked out here and then they just started showing up and then more people came, more people came, more people came. And the thing is, it goes on. And he's literally walking around. Just He's basically trying to capture, chronicling these events, being like, well, yeah. this just broke out. It's like, look. And um, he was talking a lot about it's like, oh, a lot of people said the hobby is dead. But look, look at this. This is after hours of the show that's already been, uh, I would say, Friday. Apparently, they had a record turnout in terms of people walking through the turnstiles. And they're like people backed up everywhere. And it's been absolutely chaos. And then you've got all this stuff going on. This is after hours. This is not sanctioned. This is just like, yeah, people showed up. And by the way, there's money changing hands. There are people trading cards and stuff's happening here. And people found some tables and started basically setting up their own little mini booth. This is not a card show. This is a hallway at a hotel. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. So this right here, this is a segment of the national this year in a nutshell, if you get, if you're following what I'm saying. So anyway, so I just wanted to give you a sense. That's why I say the video is worth a thousand words. It looks like there's some pent up demand for card shows. It would appear so. So the point is that, uh, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. How much is a video worth in this instance? A lot. It, it really explains it without me having to explain it, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I'm going to stop that. Let me pause that and then I'll stop. Okay. So to finish this off, let me give a quick context. The National, as it sounds like, National Sports Collectors Convention. It's a very big card show. Uh, think like the fall, ex the expo that we've been to. Uh, but think of something that is like, um, this would be the way that I would present it. Um, I'll use a comparable that might help. So the same way that we've got certain uh, malls, for example, Square One here in, in Ontario is the biggest mall we have in Ontario. It's a mall. So you can envision in your head a mall. Out in Edmonton, you've got West Edmonton Mall. So when somebody asked me to explain West Edmonton Mall, I said, well, you're familiar with Square One? And they go, yeah. Okay, so think Square One, but think like six or seven times bigger. Mm -hmm. So it tries to get your brain, your head around the idea. Now think Fall Expo and think a physical space that is like six or seven or eight times bigger. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Sprawling. So it takes forever. Um, you know, there are some people like, you know how we've all got those fitness trackers and stuff now? Yep. And some of the people were like, okay, so, and when they did their post show, it's like, so here's the thing. The best way I can explain this to you, this was the example they used. I go, the best way I can explain this, I was walking around the show the whole day, walking around, my feet are killing me. I walked five miles. Just walking around the show floor. Yeah. Which tells you how big in terms of expansiveness it is. And again, this is not a sanctioned show event. These are people just showing up at a hotel and being like, hey, let me set up a table. Hey, let me set up a table. And then all of a sudden you got all these people hanging out, talking, chatting, and then doing and then doing business, quite yeah. frankly. And that's in addition to trade nights, in addition to things that were built around the show where people organized it and stuff like that. This was an unorganized. There was a trade night that went on for like four and a half hours and thousands of people came by. A trade night. Yeah, This is not sure. the show. <laughs> this is not the show. Apparently, um, somebody did the measurement. And when PSA opened the door on the first day of the, of the public being allowed into the national, PSA was doing on-site grading. Right. Within minutes, they had a line backed up 500 feet. Jeez. Minutes. 
and that was for the privilege of getting grading on site. Do you know what the minimum cost of grading was for PSA for the for that show? The minimum cost? Fifty bucks. Two hundred and fifty dollars. Jeez. If you wanted it back before the end of the show, six hundred dollars. Oh, and wow. they had a line that went five hundred feet. That's, of people yeah. of people like, I must give you my hundreds of dollars now. It's like how many cards do you want graded? Kind of significant. Yeah. So PSA was making business. Lots of folks making it. So, so just really humongous card show, big uh, big time in the hobby. A lot of high-profile things were going on with it. Um, it's one of those things where it would be interesting to see. I don't know if I would be eager to run. Uh, they're doing it in Chicago this time around. So Chicago mm-hmm. wouldn't be too bad. Like as a visiting folks, some folks – Yeah, also for sure. Advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, some folks took advantage to go to the Cubs game and stuff as well because there's, the Cubs were in town as well during the same time. So that's good. Um, but yeah, the next one is going to be – so next year's edition is going to be in Atlantic City. Hard pass. Super hard pass. Yeah. The hardest of hard passes. The uh, But yeah, like that's a, that's a flat no. But then I think right after that, they'll be back in Chicago because I think right now it's a two-city rotation. It used to – Cleveland used to be part of that rotation. Sorry, Dave. Cleveland, Cleveland's done. That's very unfortunate. Well, they, they closed down the convention center. It wasn't that they it wasn't that they didn't want to go back to Cleveland. It's that they closed the convention center. I think it was the IX Center or whatever. They had one. They actually Off were before, in the rotation. Yeah. yeah. It's just like that's your own fault, Cleveland. Like – don't blame anybody else. Like you need a convention center and obviously a big one to house it is like, we all doing. So yeah, exactly. Now what's going to be interesting is that's also a heart. Is that a harbinger of things to come? The reason I pose the question is we're going to have right now. It still looks like we're on track to get the fall expo. Theoretically. Which is good. Theoretically. Should that come to pass? This would probably be the biggest fall expo ever. Should that come to pass? We don't really have the capacity to do like gatherings like that no. outside of the main. Because if you think we're the and there's also center, no there's no official hotel, right? Like it's it's not well, it's not in a hotel. It's, it's a bunch. In of, a, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of hotels around. Yeah, none of them. Not think, are are any of the hotels that you know around that you think would be big enough to house a trade oh, no. night or something? No. Like where would you put anything? Yeah, exactly. I'd be interested to see what ends up happening. I'd be interested to see if somebody thinks. To be honest, I think if somebody wanted to try to do that. They might have to grab a convention hall in the International Center separate and be like, yeah, can we book it from these hours and just have some concessions and stuff and food around? But it's like it's in a weird spot because it's in the airport. It's like in the middle. It's off in the side of everything. It's not like there isn't stuff there. There are restaurants and things like that. But are they going to run late enough for like a trade night or something that's after hours? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a tough call. That's a, I, I think that's probably not going not gonna to happen. Not going to be our style, so to speak. But just interesting. And it's interesting to see it and get a, and get a thing of it. So that is a, a little taste of what's going on at the National when you're avoiding crazy panini, crazy eye Panini sign guy. Which is key. Yeah. You do not want to get near this man. Just stand back. Let him do his thing. Let him rant or whatever he's doing. Who and then knows? get out of the way. Just get out of the way. So there you go. A little National. That I would share. All right, Carlos. I have some salt for you because yes. I know how much you appreciate it. I do, I do. So we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna. We are gonna bring back your friend and mine. Good old Rolling Neymar. Are you ready for some pretentious cross country running report with Dave Turnbull? Oh yes, I am. Let's go. Apple technology is good, but be careful of a mouse that also has a touchpad.
because it causes things to roll upward. Indeed. I actually, I actually clicked on it, but then I also clicked on something else at the same time. Anyway, potential cost goes around. Give me some salt. So, Carlos, there is more Super League news. So yes. let's not forget, in case people have forgotten, mm-hmm. that Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus have not renounced the Super League, mm-hmm. nor have they said they're not going to be part of it. Everyone else has. Pretty much everyone else, like literally every single person, except these three clubs have said, no, we are still part of the Super League. And they took it to court, right? Because UEFA was going to punish them and all that. And they won. In a Spanish court on Friday, they threw out an appeal by UEFA, uh, basically taking them and saying, so basically everything that UEFA had done to punish them or try to punish them, uh, which included a 5 million uh, euro, or sorry, not 5 million, 5% of their club revenue for one season for playing in Europe. So the money they would make from playing in, you know, Champions League, Europa League, uh, those competitions, they would have to give back to UEFA. Uh, also the 15 million uh, euro payment for the gesture of goodwill and mm-hmm. that they would accept a fine of 100 million if they seek to do it again mm-hmm. uh, has also been rescinded. So basically, it's all been rescinded, uh, and yeah, they fight on, Dave. They fight, they fight on, on like, right? Uh, I mean, that's. I mean, there's some quotes. Nothing that's really, really epic, unfortunately, in the quotes, uh, right? But but the idea is that they still have this. So they confirmed the ruling, and here's what they said, Carlos. The court backs a request made by the promoters of the European Super League, dismisses UEFA's appeal, and confirms its warning to UEFA that failure to comply with its ruling shall result in fines and potential criminal liability, they said in a statement. The case will be assessed by the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg, which shall review UEFA's monopolistic position over European football. Did I need to read that? No, but I just wanted to say European Court of Justice. Like I said, the important thing is that it reminds me of other great inspirational will not give up. You might be thinking Rudy. You might be thinking, you know, pretty much any loser who goes to the bar and keeps trying to hit all these girls and they won't give up. You know, that that's an attempt. But we're talking about truly heroic efforts like the Black Knight. Indeed. Those of you in Tis the video but a flesh wound, Carlos. Tis but a flesh wound. Yeah. Those of you in the video version get it. You understand why I brought that up. Of course. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. But bless these people. Bless these people and their efforts. They will not surrender. They will not give up even after all good sense, as they should. Even after truly they have been defeated. They are never defeated as long as they do not concede defeat, Dave. Apparently. Tis but a flesh wound. Tis but a flesh wound. So the the fight lives on. Uh, It'll be interesting to see, though, if it turns out there is no financial punishment for the clubs that dropped out, if anyone's now like, actually, we changed our mind and we're back in. We shall see. That has not happened yet. Obviously, the Court of Justice will have the final say, Carlos. But uh, we shall see. Good old Court of Justice. Good times. Good times. Well played. A solid, solid return to form for the pretentious cross-country running report. We always do appreciate some Super League salt. I agree. And now, let's pivot and talk about Carlos's favorite quarterback, the soon-to-be not quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, but still, at least for this season, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Indeed. You're only the second person he has, to ask me. He has reported to camp. Sorry? Mm-hmm. 
You're only the second person to ask me in a live streamish environment. Please go on. I mean, we have to. It's you, Carlos. We can't. Right. We can't not talk about it. Yep. So what basically, uh, he has restructured his deal to uh, let him out of his contract after this season. That is my understanding. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And that basically, the only reason he's doing that coming this year, he'd rather not play, but he's owed a lot of money, so he wants to get his money. So he's going to play this year. Well, yes, sort of. Um, basically, he's not really owed any more money. His guaranteed money is basically done. Um, the The issue would be if he – his options – so he had – he was in this spot where he – there was a window there where he had some options. One of the options would have been to go for a COVID exemption. If he had gone with a COVID exemption – because the issue, the money in hand is not the money that they would owe him for playing. The issue is the money that the money that would be owed if he chose to retire to try to push them. If he had elected to retire, he couldn't retire because that that is something you're allowed to do. But if he had retired and tried to hold the line on that, he would have ha- the the Packers could have clawed back some of his signing bonus mm-hmm. to the effect of about thirty million. So really, what we're talking about is thirty million dollars that's already been paid out, uh, which he would basically have to sign back over. Okay. Um, as as pertains to this season. He plays, he gets paid, but there's no guarantees. He gets hurt on week one, sucks to be you. They could cut him on week one. They probably wouldn't. It would look bad. But uh, realistically, they could because his guaranteed money has gone. Yeah. Um, so that's why he wasn't, in addition to his issues with the uh, with the admi- with the upper management and the administration, um, he didn't want to be like, I don't want to reward you for basically holding me over a barrel. But at the same time, this is basically a concession of like, look, as much as I'm not thrilled about this, um, my options are retire and send you, cut you a check and hope that you basically are, get the hint and finally trade me at this stage in the game. Now when we're in training camp and stuff, or alternatively, uh, retire and stay retired or alternatively figure out a way to be like, all right, let me out of the contract after this year. And that's basically the direction they ended up going because it was the only way he'd ever have a chance of getting out because they still owed time. The contract was still in effect. That's right. the problem with the NFL structure of the guaranteed money is only good up to – when the guaranteed money runs out, your contract can keep going. They still own your rights even if like there's no guaranteed money left. Why would I keep playing for you? Exactly. But the, the reality is if you want to keep all your money that you've already been paid, then you have to. And the team's stubbornness in this case worked out in their favor. They just sat there and did nothing and stared off into the wilderness and be like, we should talk. And it's like you're just stalling for time, aren't you? Yes. Because he did have that COVID exemption. If he had used the COVID exemption, he would have not had to play, but he would have not been able to play under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. But he also would not have had to give back the, sign, the signing bonus money. So he could have kept the signing bonus money and basically said, screw you, you get nothing. Yeah. But he also would not be allowed to play. Right. So clearly his desire to play has outweighed that. Yeah. So in this case, uh, he will still get paid handsomely if he finishes the season. I would expect he would, but um, it's one of those things. It delayed the inevitable one more year. The problem is it's now he will be a year older coming out of it. He just came off an MVP season. So the likelihood of him replicating that endeavor where he's kind of like working, playing reluctantly. I don't know if that's going to work the same way. Last season, he was pissed off. This season, he's pissed off. But at the same time, he's like, wait, so I'm going to reward these guys for kind of pulling me over the barrel here. This kind of sucks. And the question is, are this team any better situated? Last year was almost the perfect storm opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. Yep. And they squandered that opportunity. Are they better situated this year? 
I say no. But they're bringing back Randall Cobb, Carlos. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Randall Cobb was a pretty good player when he played for the for the Packers. He he had roles, but it's not like he's getting younger. It's not like he's getting better. Um, what does that fix? I, I don't feel like um, I don't feel like the situation has been resolved. Yeah. And also, they've still got I believe Devontae Adams is still kind of asking for more money now. So which makes got sense. That situation, which yeah, totally makes sense. But it's like. Your situation is very tenuous. You have not left this franchise in a good stead because, okay, assuming you finished the season, you failed to get anywhere again, very possible, and now Aaron Rodgers is finally rid, is rid of you. He can go off and do his own thing. Um, is Jordan Love the next guy? Question mark? We'll find out. Maybe Is this, maybe is this not. team built? Even if he is decent, is this team built where a decent quarterback can succeed? Question mark? I, I probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see them being like that solid. I don't know if that they're that strong. Like I, I make the jokes about it and everything, but at least your saints are a decent team. Drew Brees kind of threw them out of what probably should have been a playoff win. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't ready for primetime. Like he didn't play well at all. No, correct. I mean, yeah. he did not. Yeah. A decent quarterback performance by him. And you probably and you would have eliminated the Buccaneers, and we would have we would have completely gotten past this horrific, you know, worst timeline ever. Yes. And yet here we are. Exactly. The Tampa Bay dynasty is upon us, and there's nothing we can do to avoid it forever. Yeah. I blame everyone. No one is exempt from blame. You are all to blame. This is fair. This is fair. Yep. But anyway, uh, it'll be interesting. Like I'll, I'll watch the games. Like I always do. I'll have the screen package like I usually do, like I do. And I'll be watching some other stuff as well because there's plenty of NFL storylines and fascinating. I'm still curious what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I still want to know. Like I, I would like to see something happen there. Yeah. He's gonna, his legal troubles are kind of like in – are kind of like stagnated anyway. They're just going to be there. I think uh, if he's physically able and mentally able to play and I was another team, I'd still be like, okay, can we take a flyer? Can we get it cheap enough? Like yeah. if we can get it cheap enough and he can, pl- and he can play well. Like there's a lot of teams, like the one I look at and I've talked about it with some folks before. If you put Deshaun Watson on Denver and uh, he's able to play at close to his capacity, that team would instantly become real good. Yeah. They'd be a really, they'd be a really scary team over there uh, because they just need good quarterback play. There's a lot of teams that would immediately become relevant with some good quarterback play. For sure. If, if Deshaun Watson is capable of playing at that level, which he has been up until now, um, there's no reason to believe they he could make a lot of teams real good, real fast. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. exactly, exactly. I, th- I, I mean, we shall see. Is the is the key line right? Mm-hmm. I think there'll be some interesting storylines, though. I am fascinated by what this next season comes up. There's some there's some stuff I want to see. Uh, there's some young quarterbacks I want to see. I want to see what Darnold does in Carolina. I want to see if Joe Burrow can come back from his injury. Uh, Carson Wentz already got hurt again. Go Indy. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, and who knows? In his his timeline to return is indefinite, right? There's no there's no timeline at the current moment in time. Correct, correct. So it's one of those things. Like at least um, here's the thing: I would say the sport has been as fascinating as it's ever been. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of what ifs. You have no idea yep. what you're getting out of it. I'm For interested. Sure. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So we shall see. Indeed. All right, sir. Shall we talk about some wrestling? Let's. Okay, so first, let me start. Let's start off with AEW Dynamite. I'll quickly right. run you. I'll quickly run you through the card. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the episode? I did. I did watch the episode. Okay, so let's go through it, and I'll quickly outline. I'm now each- PVRing it, so I should I should be able to watch it all the time. Hopefully, 
Beautiful. So what I'll do here is I'll run through the matches one by one, and then we'll take a second and say anything we want to say about it, and then we'll move on to the next one. All right. I will say, though, before we start, having watched the whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of AW. I like the product, as we've discussed on here many times. But I was not a fan of this particular episode, and obviously one episode does not a, a company make. But I felt that that this episode in general gave a lot of fuel to the AW critics that are out there, or the specific things that people keep hammering on about AW. I felt this kind of showcased that uh, in in not a good way for AW. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And we'll talk about it as we go through the as we go through the episode. My thing though that I'll always put on is that I really do think that. Um, and I think it's an intentional choice at this point. I think Tony Khan holds back a lot because it's one of those things where it's like – because you could rush certain things on there and beef up, and beef up the card of the individual. But I think he's sitting there going like, OK, I'll do it night by night. We'll play it as we go. Uh-huh. Sometimes, sometimes there's an opportunity to beef up a card. And there is something to be said, and I'll just say this philosophically. The one thing that happened, if you – anybody goes back. The Monday Night Wars is the era that a lot of wrestling fans look back with great nostalgia because it was the hottest period of wrestling. Right. And it very much was. But here's the problem. And this is where revisionist history kicks in. As history majors, we should know this. We remember a lot of things back nostalgically. If you actually go back and watch some of those shows, there's a lot of shit on those shows. The crowds were so hot that it didn't matter. They were able to overwhelm a lot of like crummy segments that were yeah. interspersed in the super memorable moments. There were some transcendent stars that were able to, that were allowed to do their full thing at that time. But there's something very important we need to understand. When that war escalated, what happened was you went from the era of we've got a lot of squash matches and only once in a blue moon do like the bigger names, you know, match up against each other to an era where like, okay, we've got main event caliber things all over the card, you know, top end guys facing each other. The problem is if you try to do that today, you get oversaturated almost immediately. This is WWE's problem. It's not lack of talent. At this point, if they try to do something special, well, the problem is this is the 400th match these guys have had. Yeah. It's not special. So AEW in some ways almost leaves you starving a little bit in stretches where it's like, oh, well, I want to kind of see this thing evolve or I want to see why is this match even on here? The answer is filler. But the reason for the filler is we want you to wait a little bit longer for the thing you actually want to see because then we'll do those specials. There'll be those specials where they will load it up a little more, where they'll be like, no, 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 we'll actually hit you with a bunch of like bigger matches on this next one. But we're not going to do it every week. We're going to do it every three or four weeks. And that way, when we get to the pay-per-view, then we hit you with the super loaded card. Uh So it's like, it's two different philosophies of booking. And I understand the argument because we're impatient. Like, it's natural for us to be like, oh, I want every show to be good. I want every show to be a hot show. It's like, but if you do it and then you use all your best people on every show, you get bored of them. Uh-huh. There's certain wrestlers that only seem to wrestle once in a blue moon. And I'll get I'll get to one of them when we get here. But it's intentional. They intentionally be like, they're here. They could be in a match right now. Yeah. But we're not doing it on purpose. And you guys will see why down the road here. So let me go quickly through it. So first one, uh, the 10-man elimination match off the top, which is probably a good match to start off with. I will say um, they did do the special entrances, which is very funny. Um so the elite, uh, I liked the Dark Order's entrance with Hangman, where they did the little video package and the whole bit. I thought that was decent. I that was fine. Did. Yeah, it, I think the tune, the Tune Squad entrance uh, by the elite. No, no, it was dorky. It was, it was horrific. The dorky. whole back and and also the. Fa- <laughs> this is the worst part. Okay, so okay, fine. You're trying to do this gimmick. I mean, you're not even really trying to tie it into like officially to the movie, the the, the new Space Jam. But I mean, that's it was, obviously they, they, what they you're were going sponsored. But they were sponsored by it. 
Were they? It was Officially? on the screen, yeah. Oh, sorry. There was I a watched... total play on that, yeah. Sorry, I watched a replay, so I didn't see that. Okay, it, on the screen, they put, you know, uh, you know, they basically put down the corner. It's like Space Jam, the new whatever, coming to the, you know, in theaters right. now. So it's almost. hokey, it's dumb, it's totally. stupid. And the other thing is, if you're going to do a play, like a, a gimmick, where you set up a basketball net and you're going to jump out of the ring and dunk the basketball net, and the basketball is going to fall on somebody, it's going to be a thing. Can you actually make the net? Right, they, I can't remember who it was, but he jumps out of the ring. He's going to dunk, and he completely misses the net. Like he hits the net, but the ball is like over in the side somewhere. I'm like, really? Yeah, really? Like this, 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 like this is just stupid. Like the concept in terms of the elimination, fine. Like you know, that's not a new concept, but it's a fine concept. It's it's entertaining by by its own standards. But this match was, you know. AW is very has been known right for the, the last, especially the last little bit. They have a really good match to start. They have a really good match to end, and they know that's going. You know that's happening. And then what happens in the middle sometimes is really great, and sometimes it's just okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was not. I mean, to me, I was kind of like, I, I, you know, I was into it at the beginning, and then the more this match went on, the more I was like, yeah, I don't care. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. You're doing nothing that is drawing me to your product in this moment. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. There's a lot of talent there. Yeah, right. I think but, you know. Uh, let's I, drop off the top rope and do a spin and have people catch me, but not actually catch me. Yeah. Now here's the thing, though. Um, I understand what you're getting at. What, what I'll say though is it's very difficult to do an elimination style match because people are kind of over the Survivor Series style match. Like it's it's. I also you, wonder. Sorry, if ten people was maybe too many. It's literally Survivor Series rules is what they did. Yeah. They, they basically borrowed the survive without calling it Survivor Series. That's, of course, well, that's literally. Can. They, yeah, they they don't own it. It was a ten man elimination match, Survivor Series. But it's you know Tony Khan is a super wrestling fan, so he's into stuff like that. So he gets into. Here's the thing, I don't think it was meant to be taken quote unquote seriously as a match. It was a means to an end. It was a way to get these guys on the show, have them participate in it. This was a storyline match. It was a way to get Hangman out of the title picture. Because originally, uh, the idea was to have Hangman in the all-out main event. So now something else has to happen to fill its place. And you've got a story. Now, you have to be careful because Hangman has been on the precipice a bunch of times. And you do want to make sure he gets to his destiny. But you don't want to wait too long because the people yeah. still like Hangman. you got to be careful. So storyline-wise, there's a way to move here. But you got to be very careful how you tread. It's the same thing I said with the Britt Baker and uh, Nyla Rose thing. Yeah. Can this be done? Yes. Is it the optimal path to get to your destination? No. There's a sequencing thing that sometimes I don't agree with them. And I'll talk about the sequencing thing again in a little bit later here. But my point is, the match wasn't their best. But at the same time, the goofy entrance kind of told... AEW will telegraph for you when I'm supposed to take this seriously. When they went... Because don't forget, Kenny Omega draws this line where he is a super talented professional wrestler. But sometimes he'll veer into almost self-parody ridiculousness. Uh-huh. So he toes that line very carefully. He's almost a comedic wrestler, but who can go in the ring? Because the, But then you'll get in ring and he'll actually start going and it's like, oh no, this dude's legit. But then you'll listen to the theatrics and the rest of it. It's almost so over the top that it's like, I'd almost put you as a mid-card comedy act but then you get in the ring and it's like, no, that's main event caliber talent. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird balancing act that Kenny Omega has and he's the champion. So it's uh, – so we'll, we'll – I think we'll, we'll have to see where they go from this. I will judge it in a couple of weeks when we see what's the next one that comes out of this. Because right. what this did was it removed Hangman from the equation. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, for that purpose, I understood. 
So I didn't dock too many marks for that just because I understood where they got to. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's why I want to give the context. But I still wanted to hear your thoughts on it because it's good to get both perspectives. It's still yep. Um, and there were a couple of good spots in there. I'm not going to recount all that because it would take too long. Um, there was a back – so I'll cover this really quickly. There was a backstage um, interview with the Bastard Pack where they're continuing the storyline with him and the Lucha Brothers and then Andrade and this potential dissension and all that stuff. And it's uh, – I need more time. Um, but it was quick. It was just to, it was just kind of to continue the storyline. That is an example of what I was talking about. These guys could have had another in-ring confrontation after that super long promo last week. They yeah. didn't. They kept it to backstage, kept it short, kept it sweet. It was pre-taped. Boom, boom, boom. We're furthering the storyline. Let's review what happened yeah. next week. You can do this. That's why I say, like, sometimes you could have put any of these guys in the ring. Pac could have had a match. Andrade could have had a match. They could have done that. Nope, we got other stuff we're doing right now. Right yep. now, these guys need to further the storyline so you don't forget. Keep an eye on this. We'll, we'll revisit it again next week. Exactly. Which, which is kind of how AEW has been balancing this. That part I agree with. It's a good way of being like, hey, don't forget about these guys. Let me make sure I put them on the screen for you so you can see them. But we'll get to the match part soon. Just hang tight. Yeah. So next our next part was the Ricky Starks celebration where he came out and they had all the silliness. I kind of like the pomp and circumstance with Taz being it. ridiculous. You know, anytime, anytime you get a, uh, a New Orleans brass band in it, I'll take it. Yeah, and it was right. an excuse for Brian Cage to storm in and like hit and it like hit a guy with the drum. So like, and, and Brian Cage just looked like a scary, gigantic bodybuilder dude. Yeah, is it? It was fine. It was it was a good segment to 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 continue again. Continue their storyline. They didn't actually get the touch. Yep. But you've continued the storyline on to next week. Exactly. There's a lot of these segments of how you play that, and it makes sense. I get it. And then they had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi announcing that he was going to. Uh, compete with the winner of the U.S. title match, the the New Japan Pro Wrestling title yep. match. Cool. I'm familiar with Tanahashi's work. I've seen some of his matches. He's good. He's good. So, But I like, though, that they automatically have the next challenger ready. They literally tell you, whoever wins this match, yeah, here's I'm next. Who you're facing. I got yep. next. I got next. So you can promote it already ahead of time. So you're good there. Then we got Santana and Ortiz taking on FTR. I watched this one a little bit, really briefly. I wasn't... I just... Yeah. Kind of don't care about this one. Exactly. I watched I'm with you it. on that one. I watched it. it. I think it was a good match for what it was. I thought it was a good match. Uh, these guys are all pretty good in the ring, so they know what they're doing. But it's like storyline-wise, I'm not interested in what they have going on. To me, this there's no stakes. It's like, okay, so whoever wins B2, what do you win? Yeah, exactly. I think if, I think if one of them had the tag team titles, I think I'd be a little more interested because then I'd be like, okay, but I want to take your belts too. Yeah. I want to beat you up and yep. take your yep. title. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think they need the titles to make that just a little – add that extra little bit of spice. Sure. Because both teams are perfectly capable. Next one, Tony Schiavone interviews uh, Brit, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Again, keeping her on TV without having to do anything. She did injure her wrist in the Nyla Rose match, so it makes sense. Still have her yeah. on, have her say some stuff. For sure. Promo was solid, so you know it just rolls on. Nothing wrong there. Yep. Next one here. So this is a good – Tony Schiavone in, announces, uh, based on, uh, you know, from Tony Khan, that a new major live event is planned. The first yeah, so, dance in Chicago. So so this 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 announcement and the mm-hmm. fact that it's going to be at the United Center. Yep. So it's a big arena, right? An NBA, you know, typically some a place where like WWE would go. Yep. Now I believe you that CM Punk is coming to the AEW. Well, Dave, if that wasn't good enough, can I add a little more to that? Please do. Very next thing, right after that, is a Darby Allen promo. So they so they go and they, Darby Allen's standing there with Sting and they're talking. And Darby Allen's just saying, he goes, you know, 
He said, you know, the only one place to prove yourself, and that's in AEW, especially if you think you're the best in the world. And then the crowd is like, and they immediately start chanting CM Punk because that's CM Punk's line. Yeah. So you're going, you just announced that you're going to Chicago, the United Center, and Darby Allin's literally, the last words in his promo are, if you think you're the best in the world, and I'm going to be in Chicago. Subtle like a sledgehammer to the face. Exactly. Exactly. Right. If you didn't, if you weren't sure, you thought it was all true. No, it's happening this time. Well, I would hope it's so happening. because they better live and deliver because they, they literally just drop like 18 hints. They're like, the only thing they didn't do is, and by the way, see if fucking Buck is coming. And then you find out, actually, no, Michael Jordan is actually joining AW, and you're like, hmm. And disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're like you're like interesting. I'm I'm so disappointed. It's so intrigued at the same time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, look, it, it, like I thought of uh, being being the trolley bastard that I am. I thought of a hundred ways that you could screw with the audience on this. I honestly think it would be a bad idea. I think if Tony Khan is smart, don't do it. But it would be easy to are. do. It would be easy to do because all you'd have to do is play the cult of personality. By the way, cult of per- the the um, by the way the um, the band. Um, Oh, what's their names? Cult of Personality is Living Color. Okay. Living Color. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Living Color is following AEW on social media. That happened in the last week or two. Yeah. I mean, Subtle like a sledgehammer to the face. I mean, this is, I, you know, it's either exactly what we expect it to be or it's the biggest troll ever. Yeah. Either way. Like either way, play. I feel like, you know, that's, it's gonna, the payoff will be all right. The reason why I say, though, I think I, I, I hope that AEW is prepared to deliver this is that on the strength of the illusion on the strength of rumors on the strength of everything. I believe they've already sold more than 14,000 tickets to the United center. Okay. Like yeah. almost immediately, like they sold like that. They just got snapped up. 14,000. So tell me this, Carlos. I know this isn't particularly related to this card. Why is CM Punk so popular? Oh, um, well you really weren't watching wrestling during that run. Um, okay. Let me give you the short version. There was, like I know um, who CM Punk is. Yeah, yeah. And I know I know he was he was WWE champion. Like he mm-hmm. was champion all that jazz, but yeah. why so, is he so popular? So let me explain. I'll give you the shortest version that I can, just to give you the background. It'll help. So what happened was um I want to say around 2013, 2014, um, CM Punk was had been in WWE already for a bit. Had done some stuff, had cash in money in the bank, was had been world heavyweight champion, had done a couple of different things. He started an ECW, the WWE's version of ECW. Um, did some good work there. Uh, he had a good run with that as well. So he had he had been decorated somewhat, but he was still he felt like a mid-card guy. But he's a guy who had a great reputation on the indies and in a ring of honor and stuff like that as being a guy who could put together a great match, or at least a very good solid match with the right opponents. So he was solid in the ring, but where he excelled was on the microphone. Where he was really good was in, in being able to convey and do what he wanted to do on the microphone. He was very strong in that. And what happened was he had reached this point where creatively, again, it's wrestling, so you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. But the, the story was that at that point he was looking at leaving WWE because his contract was starting to come to an end. It was approaching right. its end. And he wasn't too intrigued with anything he had done. And for whatever reason, um, either he pitched it or finally they agreed to it or something happened where they were able to work on a storyline. And they started down the path of the storyline and he was able to sell it to such a degree where they eventually just decided to go for it. And so I'll explain what the storyline was. The idea was that CM Punk basically, um, 
I, I forget if it was winning Money in the Bank. There was some context where he was able to get himself a title match against John Cena. And what happened was he was able to, for however it was, I think it was Money in the Bank. I forget exactly what it was. But he was able to get the money, he was able to get the opportunity to face him. And he was going to face him at, at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And it was in Chicago. Okay. So it was his hometown, Chicago. But what happened was, John Cena at that point was basically the unbeatable John Cena because he was, you know, he was beating all comers and all that. And he had been yeah. running. He was still the top guy in the company easily. But what happened is, at one stage, uh, Punk had just finished being with Nexus uh, and leading that group and everything. And he was you know, on a, on a track to go face John Cena. So what happened is on one of the shows, he went out there and he basically uh, faced off and he basically attacked John Cena. And um, as a result of what happened there, he start, he went to the, to the ramp. And as John Cena had been put through a table, John Cena was just kind of laying there. He went and grabbed a microphone and he did what was known as the pipe bomb promo. Now, um, okay. Maybe this would be the best way I can do this. And what we'll do is for the video version, I may block this out. So any of you guys who catch the video version later, but what I'd like to do is I'll play a little snippet of it for you. All right. Because it really, without context, it's very difficult to explain. Uh, so this is the one, and this is on a Monday Night Raw, and John Cena is facing our truth So now I have a little bit more context, now I can see it. And they've got a table there, and uh, basically CM Punk has just kind of interfered with the match, and that's for the point at which we'll take off. Now CM Punk is going to address John Cena, who's in the ring. All right. Okay. This is what's known as the pipe bomb promo. John Cena speared. John Cena, while you you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference 
between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster of WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else. Because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at 5 in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th, and hell, who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still gonna pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's gonna keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's gonna tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's, it's gonna get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Do we do this whole bully camp? So that was the pipe bomb oh, promo. Okay, I can see why they call it pipe bomb. Yeah, the thing is, uh, now you got to remember, context is everything. That was 2011. That was 10 years ago. And um, at that point, you have to remember, we don't get references to other organizations. We don't get references to talent that isn't contracted by WWE. We don't get references to people in the back. John Laurinaitis, to people at that point, wasn't anybody. But he was working in the back. He's one of the folks that's back there. Yeah. It's all inside, inside, inside stuff. Now, obviously, it's part of the storyline. Otherwise, you cut off his microphone way earlier than that. 
But from a storyline perspective, the idea of a disgruntled employee competing for the WWE Championship whose contract is about to expire is a very compelling storyline. And having what is a non-scripted promo where like you're, we're going to cut him off at some point, but we also don't know what the hell he's going to say. So it created that it created that thing where when it played on TV, I remember watching a lot of wrestling media as far as, you know, the if that's it was the radio shows, uh, the law, live audio wrestling and stuff like that. And it was the talk of the town for weeks after that, especially as the storyline progressed, because the following week, because the following week he was suspended. And right. then one week out on the go home show to the to the pay-per-view, he was brought back. And he did another promo in the middle of the ring, but he brought out a megaphone and he goes, I brought back up just in case my microphone gets cut off. So like it all played into this beautiful storyline that went into the show. And Vince McMahon even did the segment with him where he was trying to re-sign him last minute so that he would still be under contract. So if he did win the title, then, you know, they would, he would still be a contracted performer. Yeah. So they did all that stuff. And that's where he demand he made a bunch of demands of Vince McMahon. He demanded they bring back the WWE ice cream bars, and they did a whole bunch of crazy stuff related to it. And then at the pay per view in Chicago, where the Chicago home crowd was one hundred percent CM Punk, he won the title in Chicago. And Vince had actually tried to do the Montreal Screwjob thing, where John Cena was in a position where he had him in a submission, and he tried to do the thing where he told the ring bell to, to ring the bell to screw CM Punk out of that title match, and. Uh, John Cena was still like ultimate good guy John Cena and he wouldn't allow him to do it and he decked the guy and he decked the ring announcer so that he wouldn't be able to do it and in the course of this it cost him the title he lost the title CM Punk won it went into the crowd that was losing their minds he blew a kiss to Vince McMahon and ran out through the crowd and then he disappeared for a couple of weeks and he made appearances at Comic-Con and he but he's there with the title yeah and then, and then what they did is the thing where um they decided to have a uh I think it was a one day a one day tournament for and this is WWE in a nutshell. They did like a one day tournament where they had a couple of guys, including Rey Mysterio and some other guys. It's it's been ten years, so forgive me if I don't remember all the details. But anyway, Rey Mysterio became I think WWE champion, and then I think John Cena challenged him because John Cena is a good guy, but he's also a douchebag. So so he challenged him, and he ended up competing with him that night. And then John Cena won the in, basically the interim WWE championship that night, and then immediately. Right after he had the title and everything, a song plays in the background, and it's Cult of Personality. Now, here's the thing. CM Punk did not go by Cult of Personality up until that point. He had another theme song right before that that he had been using, even when he won that title during that night in Chicago. This was the first time people had ever heard Cult of Personality. So you don't know who it actually is. The song's playing. Right. And then out comes CM Punk wearing the WWE Championship. And he walks out to John Cena, stands up right in front of him. John Cena's got a copy of that WWE title. And CM Punk's got a copy of the WWE title. And the show goes off the air with them holding the title directly in front of each other. Uh And every time CM Punk holds it up, the crowd cheers. And every time John Cena holds it up, the crowd boos. And it led to another match where they would would compete each other. CM Punk won that one. But this is where then... So at this point, CM Punk is about the hottest commodity in that company. Right. because, Because, of course, the media takes it and it's like... Okay, so is this a real thing? Like, is the contract actually running out? Well, his contract was running out. But obviously, they were able to come to some kind of an arrangement. But they were able to parlay it into this brilliant storyline that actually played to the point that, like, the WWE authority didn't want him to win the title because they didn't want him to walk away with the title. The problem is, being it's WWE, they got impatient. They rushed the payoff. Personally, at the time, I I thought, it was like, have him appear around the world holding that title all over the place 
but do it for weeks. Do it for like a month or two. Like don't have him come back right away. Yeah. And then wait, but I think they made it a couple of weeks and then almost immediately had him come back on. And, and then they, and then he kind of got screwed out of the title and then he had some feuds in between. They kind of kept him distracted. Eventually he did rewin back the title. He not long after it wasn't that long after, but that whole run there, that was affectionately known by fans as the summer of punk. That was when he was the hottest commodity in all of WWE and all of wrestling. He was right. People were talking about him left, right and center everywhere. So he was the hottest star that they had at that moment. And he basically built himself up as now everybody was talking about him right after that pipe on promo going forward. Every time he got on the microphone, he would say all kinds of stuff and get people riled up and there was a lot going on. And then he did rewin the title, but then it's WWE. So they find a way to like make things that seem on paper really good. Somehow they lose the potential. So that first title run for punk probably should have been a nice long one to really take advantage of that momentum because they had so much momentum yeah. going into it. What they did though, is they kind of aborted it a little bit early in a weird way and didn't let him, didn't set him up to get it back right away. And then what happened was he did win back the title. And he actually had like a 450-day title reign, like this ridiculously long title reign, which on paper sounds amazing. And it was good, but at a certain point, like it's WWE booking. They don't actually know how to book long-term anymore. So they kind of had him going, but he was never treated as a main eventer. They never put him in the main event. They would So even that WrestleMania he was talking about, he was the champion. He wasn't right. in the main event. Which is dumb. <laughs> like, so that was part of his frustration going forward. But within the next, I think by 2014, he got frustrated and basically just quit the company. Yeah. And after that, it's been seven years. So the legend of CM Punk, CM Punk was, was had such strong reaction from that run Yeah. that years later, from time to time, the crowd would start chaining CM Punk at different things. Seven years after he's not, he hasn't been wrestling anywhere. He made a brief appearance in an indie thing under a mask. People saw him do his signature move and then the internet freaked out. And basically every time it ever looks like there's an opportunity for somebody to sign him, it's like, oh my God, CM Punk, CM Punk. That's after seven years. Yeah. Who has parlayed this absence into a better like store return storyline than CM Punk? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of baggage there. So again, if AEW delivers, so hopefully that context and that promo, you kind of understand what I'm getting at. Yeah, for sure. If you think 2011, though, that set... Hold on. <clears throat> that's oh, here we go. Here we that's go. That's wrestling internet. <laughs> a blaze! And it did. And it did. And at the time, it did. Uh, it yeah. really was. Because I was there, and I was listening to it. The, the vibe in the room was people were very excited about the product. Eyeballs yeah. were watching. They were like, what's going to happen next? It brought back the era of spontaneity. It brought back the era of surprise, because you don't know where we're going with this. And that's when wrestling is its most fun, when it's not yeah, obvious exactly. what the next move is. Yeah. Um, so that's what CM Punk brought to the table. And people remember that fondly, and thus they remember him fondly. Right. Does that make more sense now? No, totally. That, that makes him one of the hottest free agents for the last seven years. So he, he can kind of call a shot because it's like, look, if I show up, I'll get eyeballs, at least for yeah. a stretch of time. Long term, we'll see if it's going to need, require the right storyline. It's going to require the right creative and everything. You can take advantage of it, though. But for a very short run there, you will get eyeballs. You will get people paying attention if and when he shows up. And the internet will, in fact, be ablaze. I only do the full yelling version. I, I can't do it twice in a row. No, that's but, fair. Um, that's fair. But the thing is, it will get that reaction. The social media will go off. Like, it will. 
you will get that huge attention. Oh my God, CM Punk is there. He showed up, blah, blah, blah. And if he does it in Chicago, the roof will in fact blow off the United Center. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll be, it'll be a huge reaction for that first appearance. That's why I say like, don't tease the people too much, Tony Khan. You better yeah, be able well, to deliver. It's going to blow up in your face. If it, yeah, like that, that'll that hurt you big time if you sell that many tickets on people like anticipating this and like freaking out in the front row and in all the rows. And it's like, deliver, <laughs> land the plane. Because, yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you've really, you teased it. You teased it big time. Now you basically promised it to people. You have, you better deliver your promises. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see though. Like I'm interested. All right. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's, let's run through these next couple of matches then fairly quickly. Yeah, I'm trying to. So give me a second here. All right, uh, so you IWGP United States title match. Uh, the Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer, taking on Haikuleo with yeah. King Haku, who got a nice reaction. It's an okay match. Yeah, but it's, it is what it is. It's two big guys. I think yeah. um, Haikuleo, I think, needs some more work in the ring. He's a little – he's a big guy. He's a big kid. Um, and he is King Haku's kid, which is hilarious. Like, I don't know if you remember Haku. Haku yep. was that guy who did all like, – but it, Haku was legitimately one of the toughest guys in wrestling. Like, he has a reputation of being one of – you didn't want to mess with Haku back in the day. So, anyway, uh, decent match. It's just not – it is what it is. Two big hosses, and one of them can't really wrestle that much. And But he looks the part. He looks huge. Yeah. Anyway, so now Archer will be taking on uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, which should be interesting. I think uh, he's already wrestled in Japan a bunch of times, so he knows he knows around those parts. Okay, so Alex Marvez uh, tried to interview Cody Rhodes, and then he was ambushed by Malachi Black, which was uh, ended with a little welcome to the House of Black. Again, they fought each other. No matches involved. It's leading to the homecoming. So now yeah. they're – that's Which next is next week, week right? That's right. Exa- yeah. Exactly. So we're building to the next show. I would bet you homecoming is probably going to be the more stacked cards. That's the one so. where – that's the one that they're building to now. Okay, next one, again in the, in the realm of guys that I'm talking about – Miro does another uh, another one announcing that next week at Homecoming, hey, the TNT champion is going to have a match, a title match at Homecoming. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, he's going to fight Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson's good. He's a good he's a good wrestler. But uh, Miro had a really good promo talking about being God's favorite champion in the whole nine yards. He is the redeemer. He's really gotten into this redeemer thing. Like he he's he's into it, and I like I like that he's got the intensity is good, and he he looks and sounds the part, and um, I like that they're not having him wrestle every single week. Yeah. Be- because it keeps him fresh. Well, exactly. And no one's getting overexposed. Exactly. Right now it's been weeks. So now when he goes out there, oh, Miro's on. Let's let's check it out. So it's him and Lee Johnson and they'll be doing their thing. Okay. Next one. Trio's match. Hardy, fa- Hardy Family Office and Helico and Private Party taking on Jungle Express. So um, cool. Don't care. Uh, Christian just needs to turn heel already and attack Jungle Boy or something. Facts. Yeah. Just let's. Okay. Let's match. Ready. Yeah, it, was a, it was a decent match. The guys in it are good. And Helico's really good in the ring. They've never really been able to fully expose him. I've watched enough Helico stuff. He's really good. And if they take advantage of him fully, like he's, he's excellent in the ring. And Jungle Boy is really good. Luchasaurus can be really good for what he does. Uh, and, the, and basically Private Party, those guys are super talented. Like I'd like to see them actually competing for the tag team t- championship at some point again because they are really good in the ring. They're yeah. very strong. Uh, so anyway, so bottom line, uh, they won. And then the blade sucker punched Christian cage because we need to extend this longer on the, on the other hand though, I will say the blade and Christian cage will probably be a decent match. Yeah. I'm willing to watch that. At least, at least he gets the blade away from orange Cassidy for the love of all that is holy. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. You know what? Great. Fine. <laughs> Good. Something else. Okay. This next one officially is filler. Uh, this is Thunder Rosa versus Julia Hart. Not because of Thunder Rosa who got a great reaction. 
Great yeah. reaction for Thunder Rosa. And I'm glad she's there and she's going to help that women's division. But Julia Hart is not ready for primetime. Why do we keep having her out? Put That's her true. on dark. Put her on dark. This That's is true. a dark match. Right? It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I, it almost feels like, let's get Thunder. Like it's Thunder Rosa was good. She's definitely over with this crowd. You know, there's probably going to be some Thunder Rosa versus Dr. Britt Baker DMD in the future at oh, yeah. some point. Yeah. And all good. But Julia Hart is just like, eh, the match is meh. She was, eh. It was just, you know, like you said, she's not ready for prime time yet. Yeah. But the thing is, though, if you need somebody who can afford to eat a pin, who need, who is fine taking the loss here, but who could probably at least make it interesting, um, what about Big Swole? What about Killing King? What about um, uh, Black Velvet, Red Velvet? They're all good. Like they're yeah. all they're all solid. Like all of them are solid in the ring and could it could have a nice little competitive match with Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa could win, and it's not going to hurt them. They're still kind of just in the mix there. They're just kind of doing their thing. I just gave you three names off the top of my head who would be perfectly suited to this job, to this yeah. task, and they're all a little bit more qualified than Julia Hart. Bless her and the, what she's trying to do, but it's like not now, not not you and not now. Go hang out on dark. Or get Penelope Ford out there and have her do some handsprings and have Thunder Rosa have a match with her. That could be all right. There, yeah. I gave you four names. I gave you four different options that probably would work better here. Anyway, moving on. All right, main event time. Okay, I got a couple of things to say about this one, but let me quickly run through and then we'll get to it. All right. All right. The pain maker, Chris Jericho, taking on Nick Effin Cage. It's MDK all day. They put that in the summary. I love it. Okay. So anyway, bottom line, uh, full of plunder, pizza cutters, the whole nine yards, attacking each other with, um, you know, the uh, light tubes, the fluorescent light tubes, uh, lots of uh, lots of pain, pain for the pain maker. Uh, Chris Jericho wins by uh, basically it was putting him through um, a, t- a glass, she, uh, a pane of glass. It was the pane of glass. And then I and think then he hit the him Judas with the effect. four light tubes. Yes, but then there was also the Judas effect was the final thing that yes. ended it. So anyway, the Judas effect hits, and then he beats him with the Judas effect. Um, correct result for this storyline. I get it. Obviously. We, well, but, you, I mean, anyone who's following it knows that he's going to win. Okay, but quick thing. So post-match, uh, MJF comes out, basically does a whole thing. By the way, I like the callback on the video. I like that. That was, that was good. That was good. Uh, where they reference it, and his third, you know, opponent on the trials of Jericho is going to be the uh, is going to be Juventud Guerrero. Now, a couple quick things. Uh, let's do this. I'll get to the Juventud Guerrero thing in a second. Um, we knew what it was going to be. We knew it was going to be an ugly match for what it was. It was going to be a violent and all that stuff. Um, how was it for you, just for what it was, knowing what we were, knew? What was yeah, honestly, like it felt like like okay. So Nick Gage, as and if you've watched the Dark Side of the Ring. Right, Nick Gage is known for the death matches that he participates yep. in, and they're ultra violent. and And it's almost like it felt it was. I, I'm a, I'm of several minds because one, I'm not a fan. I'm not really a fan of the death match thing. Yep. Like watching one, you're kind of like, okay, that was kind of interesting for what it was. But at the same time, it's like this is not something I want to watch on a regular basis. This is not that's not my my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But I also felt it was kind of tame, especially by Nick Gage standards. Yep. And I also felt that the Kenny Omega, uh, John Moxley match or the John Moxley, uh, Lance Archer death matches were also actually better matches. Yeah. Uh, by far. Uh, so it was kind of like, it was kind of ho-hum. The same thing. Like I felt like, I felt this was a wasted opportunity. Let's put it that way. Uh, especially in the, in the, you know, cause it's like, we've just had a death match, right? And now your next trial is you have to do a finishing move off the top rope. It's kind of like really, okay. Like, so like, there's let, nowhere let to go t- but down. Let, let me let me touch on that. So remember what I said last week 
where I said the Nick Gage thing, I have no moral opposition to it, but it's the sequencing. Yes, I felt and like I that. that. I, felt I agree with that as well. Yeah, I feel like Nick Gage probably was a final boss prior to the final final that was going to be because I still think that he's going to be forced to face a member of the inner circle for the last one before MJF. Something like that. That's okay. what I believe. But right before that, you could put Nick Cage. Juventud Guerrero could have gone right before that. Like, like I mean, if you're going to do it, you could have started off with Sean Spears like he did, then do Juventud Guerrero, then do Nick Cage, then force him to fight somebody in the inner circle and come up with a stake or a stipulation where they would lose something if they just laid down for Jericho. You have to come up with a rationale why they would actually fight him yeah. and try to win. For sure. But um, I feel like that's your sequencing. Bringing Hoover to Guerrero is like, yeah, yes, you've got the history. I think that's good. And by the way, from what I understand, Hoover to Guerrero still is wrestling. So he and he was great. He was a great high flyer in his day. So if he's a fraction of what he once was, I think it could still be pretty good. Now, to your point about the Nick Gage thing, it was always going to be tamed down for a couple of reasons. One, network TV only likes so much of that. But number two, um, Chris Jericho is not a deathmatch specialist. He's also old. And Nick Gage was quite happy to get a nice paycheck, get some exposure to it. He's not going to hurt Jericho like fully. He's not, he's not going to go all out like he might go normally. He knows where his bread is buttered here. And he knows this is a great opportunity for him. Like this is the most exposure between the uh, dark side of the ring and this opportunity. If Nick Gage does well by them, he will have further opportunities down the road and maybe in other organizations because Tony Khan is making friends all over the wrestling world. So Nick Gage can maybe get some bookings doing some other stuff. Yeah. So, like, it's good for his pocketbook to be like, hey, don't hurt the legend, but go in there, do your job, make it look good, you know, do what you can to – basically, he had to do what he could to kind of – Chris Jericho knows what he's doing in the ring, but this isn't his style of match. So, Nick Gage's job is make it look good, but find a plausible way to lose. Yeah. And he did the best he could, and I think I think the effort was there. I think he tried. But it was always going to be a step slow because Jericho isn't at full speed anymore. He's approaching 50 and this isn't his style of match. So yeah. stylistically, like it's not his deal. Um, and again, But again, the sequencing feels weird. It's like, okay, so you just put the guy through this where he's getting pizza cuttered and now he's going to face Hoovitud Guerrero. And they had an amazing rivalry back in the day. Like in WCW, they had some great classic matches. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. Maybe like, yeah, no, no. 25 years ago. It's worse. 25 years ago. For yeah. goodness sake. It was in the mid-90s. Just like, but, but here's the question. Here's the, did you appreciate the fact, though, the, of the Domino's controversy? Okay. So I got a kick out of that. And again, it, it actually it was funny because somebody in my live chat on the sports card thing brought this up. It just made me laugh. Um, oh, and that reminds me of one thing I'll show you at the very end here just when we're finishing up. But um, so, yeah, uh, I understood. But at the same time, I was also like, Number one, the network controls that. AEW doesn't. It's not their fault that they put a Domino's ad at the worst possible moment. <laughs> they could have stuck it in the first hour and no one would have noticed or cared. Um, so it's not AEW's fault. But the other thing as well is that um, I would have leaned into it. I would get Nick Gage to promote Domino's Pizza. Pizza cutter. Like, get a sense of humor, man. And by the way, like a pizza cutter isn't going to make someone not buy Domino's Pizza. He wasn't attacking someone with the Domino's pizza. It's, it's like, I understand it's a pizza cutter, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. No, it's just one of those things that I feel like it was kind of funny or weird or whatever you want to call it. It was, it. Weird. It was very weird. Uh, and then it'll go away. 
Oh, for sure. I, I think that's where the network that hopefully Tony Khan has developed in the, the um, has developed a relationship with the network where they will understand that. Look, man, because number one, from Tony Khan's perspective, he's got to go back and be I mean, he's got to make sure they're clear. It's like, guys, I have nothing to do with this. Like we have our thing that we were doing. And of course, we've got sponsors and commercials and things, and we welcome them. But it's like we didn't intentionally do this to you. It's yeah, like, and apparently they, they did talk to the net, like the network was talked about this to about this match ahead of time as well. For sure, yeah, and it's one of those things. Like, as long as everybody was talked to, so everybody understood what was going on, I think that's good. Uh, keep the communication open. Don't do anything crazy with. Uh, don't surprise your network partners. Make yeah. sure they're still happy. Make sure they're cool because then they'll back you. When the time is right, they'll back you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully Domino's will get over it because it's like, who cares? You're not exactly. the only game in town either as far as pizza is concerned, so chill out. <laughs> get a sense of humor and settle down. Uh, so anyway, overall, not their best show, but I'm expecting they've been really – they're holding back, I think, because I want to see the Malachi Black match. I think yeah, that'll be sure. interesting. I want to see Miro doing his thing. He's going to destroy Lee Johnson. Spoiler. He's going he's gonna to kill this man, um, and it'll, I'll be very entertained. So that'll be fun. Um and I think there's some potentially good surprises. And of course, we're on the road to CM Punk or Rampage. Yeah. So, so it's like, but you can build it up. You can do this over weeks to get you to the destination you want to do. And I like, I like the build long term. I like that you're putting people on TV and holding back because we had in that promo, we had Darby Allen. Did he wrestle a match? Nope. But we had him on TV, so we're not forgetting about these people. They're at least yeah. there. Their presence is known mm-hmm. so that when they do come back, Oh, I haven't seen them in six months. Nope. They've been around the whole time. If you're just paying yeah, exactly. attention, they were around on the show. Exactly. And I think All right, Carlos. So, so as a final thing for this evening, go ahead. tell me your thoughts on the WWE releasing yet again someone else that's actually good, Bray Wyatt. I will indeed. I will indeed. But just before I do that, I quickly want to put this on screen. Okay. Upper Deck AEW cards, Dave. Ooh. Coming I want the Sting fall. autograph. I want the Sting autograph. Coming this fall. Just saying. I was waiting. This is the worst kept secret in the world because last November, on being the elite, they were signing the stupid things. And finally, at the National, they finally announced the damn thing. I was like, good. We're getting our Dr. Britt Baker DMD card, like officially AEW. We got a Sting autograph. That's cool. You got a Darby Allen one there you can see. You got Le Champion. Yeah, I'm, I will probably buy some of those. Yeah, I gotta see. I gotta see what the situation is okay, gonna be. Depending, of course, on how ridiculously they're priced. Because yeah, well, that's what I want to know. I, I'm curious because I'm I'm hoping they can make the. I'm hoping they print enough where the pricing is reasonable. I would love to open some. That would be fun. I, I would get a kick out of it. I would enjoy it. Uh, barring that, I'll definitely look after some singles. Like I'm I'm more than willing to do that. I'll I can scour eBay and find some singles. But I I would love to open some packs. I think that'd yeah, be kind of cool. I for sure. Enjoy it. I would enjoy it. So, you know, we'll cross our fingers. We'll see where we get there. But yeah, I would love to get some of my favorites from AEW. I've been enjoying AEW on the whole anyway. It's one of those things like a bad AEW show is still infinitely better than WWE shit they're giving me. Like infinitely better than some of that crap. So it's like, I'll take it. I've been consistently entertained and I, I have the long-term vision that I'm comfortable with what they're doing and they're taking their times nice and slow and I'm happy with that. Okay, so let's talk Bray Wyatt now. Okay. So Bray Wyatt is one of the great, is one of, not the only hardly, but he's one of the great tragedies of WWE. This guy's reinvented himself more times than I can count, and it's like, how can we screw this up? Also, sorry before before you continue, he was also a character in the uh, story part of WWE 2K20. So yet another casualty from that video game. The curse continues. 
My God. It's worse than the Madden curse. Heinous. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, here's the thing. I was never super into the Fiend thing, but I could appreciate the creativity. I love that he found ways to do it because then he had the Firefly Funhouse and that weird like Mr. Rogers, Mr. Dress Up like thing. There was always like a singe of creepiness with it. And the puppets were playing off different characters and inspirations of his character, which was funny. Because you had Husky the Pig, which was a playoff Husky Harris, which is what he started in NXT with. Right. Which is a terrible character. But it was a, th- it was a callback. Abby the Witch, Sister Abigail. It's like Mercy the Buzzard, Waylon Mercy, who was one of the inspirations of his character. Waylon Mercy was Bray Wyatt before Bray Wyatt. Right. Are you familiar with Waylon Mercy? No. But anyway, the, I'll explain while I, while I pull up a quick clip. But I'll, I'll explain while I'm doing it. So the point is that, so you've got this character, like the, the if you saw the Firefly Flunhouse thing, as silly as they were, there was so much thought into each individual little aspect, even the stuff in the background, the little signs, the pictures and everything. All of it had these little brilliant little things. And that was Bray Wyatt being creative, coming up with all these amazing ideas and I loved it. And it was one of those things. So I, I didn't like the Fiend thing necessarily. In ring, I thought it was going to suffer. And it did. Um, but I loved the idea. I loved the concepts behind it. And at least while even though I couldn't bear to watch the show, I would go watch the clips of the Firefly Flunhouse promos because I'm like, okay, let me see what you come up with. And he came up with so much silly stuff. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it was one of those things. I had to give respect as far as that, that is concerned. Um, so I always enjoyed that. But that was one of those things where um, where the he came up with all these ideas, built up this character, got to the point that he could sell merchandise and all that good stuff. And it seemed all, all cylinders were running. Everything was cool. And then WWE just couldn't figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Because they, because they, they did give him the title. And then they had him lose it to Goldberg in like a couple minutes. And Goldberg's like a thousand years old. And he can't wrestle. So it's like, so you build up this character who has this potential to have a nice run here. And you don't have an exit strategy. And then as soon as WWE started sticking their claws into it, so now he's released and you've got Alexa Bliss basically being the fiend. Yeah. She's a good actress. She really has done about as much with this as she can. Uh, But now she's kind of stuck with it. And by the way, the crowd is going to reject her now because they're going to blame her for, for him getting fired. And she basically just inherited his gimmick. Yeah, it's not a good look. Like, and I, I'm not going to blame her for it. She basically was uh, pitched this idea, and she goes, "Okay, that'd be kind of cool. It's different. I can uh, flex my acting chops and do all this stuff, and it'd be kind of fun." But now that now the Bray Wyatt's been released, like the anger will get transferred onto her, even though like she is not the one calling the shots in the back. Yeah, it's not her fault. Yeah, but now she's going to be the beneficiary, so to speak, of more great WWE creative. Exactly. So that, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is that it, it's, a, it's a trickle-down effect. Bray Wyatt being released is one part of the story because now he's got to figure out what he's going to do with himself. Uh-huh. Um, but all his ideas are WB property. So he can't be the fiend. He can't be Bray Wyatt. He can't be the eater of worlds. He can't do all this other stuff that he's already done in the past. He's got to come up with something else. And he very well could. He's a very talented guy. He came up with all these other ideas. So he might have other ideas in the back of his mind. There's other things he could do. But in the meantime, we'll have to seek what he wants to do now because yeah. um, it, it, there's potential. But at the same time, it's like from WB's perspective, there are some people who are going to get turned off because they like this character and they uh-huh. appreciated the character and they appreciated the creativity. And now they're going to be irritated that it's like, OK, so you basically it's like a TV show. 
you keep killing off all my favorites. At a certain point, why am I going to keep watching? You keep yeah. killing off my favorite characters. At yeah, certain exactly. Point, like, There's nobody left that I really like or that I'm that attached okay, to. Okay, maybe he comes back as IRS Redux. Oh, wait, so they can't do that. There's so many jokes they could have done. Well, don't forget, um, you know who his brother is? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So you got Bo Dallas, and then you had him, and they've both been released. Now, here's the thing. Bo Dallas, from what I understand, um, I don't know if it's 100%, but I believe he's in a relationship with Liv Morgan. And they actually ha- are starting to – they've actually started or are in the process of starting their own uh, real estate practice. Huh. So they're like planning for life outside of wrestling. So don't be surprised if Liv Morgan uh, ditches the, the the E at some point and gets out of there too. So and, and a lot of people like Liv Morgan too. So it's one of those things like you've got all these people who are creative or have ideas and have all these thoughts and things that they can do. And then it's like, yeah, so we're just going to let you flounder until yeah, exactly. your character loses steam. And then once you lose the steam, uh, we'll just get rid of you. Well, Thank that's you, an encouraging WWE. working environment. Yeah, that's an encouraging working environment, isn't it? Exactly. Why would you want to come up with ideas again? Exactly. Well, exactly, right? It's you like, come well, on. You may as well just do whatever and take the paycheck then, even if it's not good. Okay. So I'll give you I'll, – I'll show you a quick clip here and then this will be we'll, – we'll head off on this one. But this will All be right. a classic for the old school wrestling fans. You guys may enjoy this one. And I'll All give right. the quick context after. So this is a, a vignette of Waylon Mercy. This is from 1995. Hi, people. Guess what? It's Waylon Mercy again. <laughs> Ain't it something? I'm out here on the beach, up here on the lifeguard stand. Now, I know you people must think that's kind of peculiar, but what the heck? Waylon Mercy's out here protecting people from drowning and whatever. You know, the funny thing is, that when I get to the WWF and I get in that ring, the wrestlers that get into that ring's lives are gonna be in Waylon Mercy's hands. <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Sufficiently creepy. It is. A couple of things. So quick, uh, I'll give quick context so that you guys understand, those of you who are less familiar. Waylon Mercy was, uh, I think, Dan Spivey is the name. Uh, he yes, used to be I, did, the- I did this look this up recently, yes. Yeah, so he was uh, he was actually in a tag team, I believe, with uh, Sid Vicious. They were the skyscrapers. Um, okay. So, we, But Dan Spivey is actually super tall, like a really big dude. Um, now, the problem, so so let me give the let me give the negative first, and then I'll give the positive. Okay. Dan Spivey, um, unfortunately, by this point, was riddled with a lot of injuries. So he's this big, intimidating dude who looks menacing, like he's super menacing. And obviously, you can see how creepy he looked uh, like this. He embraced this gimmick idea that they came up with. Um, it's based on a character from Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And the so music kind of gives that vibe, too. Yeah. So they had these vignettes like the one I just showed you. And a couple of fun things, though. So the negative is that physically he wasn't set. He, he couldn't go in the ring anymore. He was actually a decent wrestler for his time, but physically he just couldn't go in the ring because he was already super hurt. He was already broken down. Yeah. But they had plans given how big he is and given that he embraced this gimmick that was very intriguing um, and very different uh, because this this is the mid-90s. This is like the new generation. The Attitude Era hasn't started yet. And you've got this character with layers and kind of this creepiness to go along with almost this fake friendliness. And his shtick would be that he'd come to the ring shaking people's hands and being this super friendly guy. And he'd even go in, shake the hand of the referee, shake the hand of his opponent. But as soon as they would start the match, he would immediately start like viciously attacking his opponent, like horrific doing this thing to the point that he would um, 
he would basically, you know, get them in his finisher and have like a crazed look on his face like he's trying to murder somebody. And then as soon as the match would be over, he'd go back to being super friendly, Waylon Mercy. And everybody's just looking at him. It's like, dude, you're nuts. <laughs> but it was like this kind of um, almost like a bipolar kind of character. Where he's yeah. Like, but it was intriguing. It was This is in the mid 90s. The Attitude Era hasn't started yet. Everybody's a cartoon character. And you've got this character with these weird layers, this menacing character who has this thing. Interesting thing as well. He was probably the first character ever whose intro song began with an audio clip. And the audio clip they used was from this vignette. And his his theme song, when it hit, it wouldn't just start the music. It would be like, lives are going to be in Waylon Mercy's hands. Exactly from that vignette. And he'd be like, you know what I mean? And then they would play the song. And he would always say, you know what I mean? That was kind of his uh, thing with it. There were a whole series of them. Uh, huh. These vignettes prior to him coming out, including uh, like one with bugs. And he talked about squashing bugs. And he goes... It's like the bugs, they crawl on me. And then he goes and slaps it and kills the bug. And he's like, yeah, like they did a good job with it. Actually. I thought some really fun stuff, but super, di- if you think 1995, again, context, yeah. think 1995, you're used to all these silly over the top cartoon characters, and you got this menacing dude. who looks like he wants to kill people. Uh, and he had like, um, it was a fake tattoo, but he had like a dagger, uh, tattoo on his forehead. So it was like, He's coming out like in these colorful, you know, shirts and everything, looking all friendly and everything. And as soon as he gets in the ring, he like viciously attacks a man and tries to gouge his eyes. Yeah. So he's like, and he's also like six six, six seven, like stupidly gigantic. So he stands out in a crowd. Um, so it was kind of this interesting character. Ahead of its time, to be honest. Well, the original Bray Wyatt cult leader character borrowed heavily from this character. Right. Like he, because he had almost like this Southernness. And if you look at the original Bray Wyatt character, he had like the colorful shirts. These are not accidents. These are, these are little, you know, touches that were borrowed from this. And here's the fun part. Like I said, Mercy the Buzzard, right? Well, from what I understand, Dan Spivey actually voiced Mercy the Buzzard. So they even went, they even went as far as that. Bray Wyatt went as far as that extra little detail. You're naming it out. You're, an inspiration of your character was Waylon Mercy. You've got a Mercy the Buzzard character. Who voices Mercy the Buzzard? Waylon Mercy. Yeah, interesting. But I love the I love the extra care to all these. Li- this is what you want from your wrestling people. That it's like he cares enough to do these little details. If you pay attention and you know, as a longtime wrestling fan, like as soon as I heard the voice, I was like, that's Waylon Mercy. You didn't get an imitator. Yeah. You got you got you got the guy because, bang on, it sounds just right. So it's like that's a great callback for me. That's a wonderful Easter egg for me. That was like that one I showed you with Jericho and Dean Malenko. That's yeah. a callback though. Like it's like almost a thirty year callback. It's like I was like, well, for me, I get that one. Most people are like most people are just gonna go right <laughs> over their head, completely over. And I was like, oh my god, lives are gonna be in Waylon Mercy's hands. I was like, yes. Well, Mercy only had like a, like a year run. It was a super huh. short run in between 95 and 96. Super short run. Tells you, though, how resonant the character was that people still kind of remember Whalen Mercy, especially the ones that were around a long time. It's like, yeah. remember that Whalen Mercy character? That was really interesting. For that sure. could have been really cool if they had been able to play it out to its logical conclusion. They never got a chance. Bray Wyatt was almost like Whalen Mercy 2.0. He was able to add some more to it and build off of it. And unfortunately, they were never able to build it to the conclusion either. I'm like, this sucks, man. <laughs> like we had a chance. We were going to get the, we were going to get the whale and mercy ish character that we didn't get the first time. And we lost 
Yeah. So that's going to be my um, – maybe the way I'll button it down is like this. The, the tragedy of Bray Wyatt is that it was so many intriguing ideas that were never fully realized. It's fair. Yeah. So that's kind of the big takeaway. But again, I don't worry too much about what WWE does. Hopefully he finds something that works for him. Hopefully he finds something that he enjoys. In the meantime, I will enjoy my AEW and stay in that lane. And cross my fingers for reasonably priced Upper Deck AEW cards. Let's go, guys. Which may be open on this program at a later date if they are reasonably priced. If they're reasonably, here's the thing. If they at least provide blasters, maybe that'll give us at least a shot. Even if the hobby boxes are maybe a little high, the blasters could be reasonable. Yep. If we can get blasters, I, I'm good with that. I can work with that. Sounds fingers good. crossed, Carlos. Yeah. So anyway, uh, finishing off at the end here, we'll quickly finalize with this. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. By the way, that was two callbacks, guys. You got two callbacks. You got the pipe bomb promo and a Whale and Mercy promo bonus. Exactly. So anyway, um, so that'll be it for us this time around. Uh, Dave is going to go to Parts Unknown. Um, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, um, the third world country that he lives in is going to fall into a sinkhole. It's, it's allegedly for another child, but like I really, we all know. He's going to be digging himself out of the sinkhole. So I think next week he'll be in the sinkhole. Then the following week he may get you on the ditch to the side of the sinkhole. And then after that, we'll see what happens. So probably, go ahead. It's fair. I was going to say it's fair. It's probably it's probably a pretty good prediction. Yeah, that's about right. So what we'll do probably is I'll, I'll, I'll chat with Dave offline. We'll figure something out. Worst comes to worst, I may do a truncated version of it. And uh, I'll do like an unnecessary nonsense podcast, you know, almost extra, similar to what I've done in the past. And I will probably review, you know, AEW Homecoming. Uh, I'll reach out to Dave and if he's got any thoughts, he can pass them along and I can pass them along and I'll, pu- I'll put something together for us. So in the meantime, um, I've been known to, to carry the odd show. So I can probably, I can probably manage it for a couple of weeks in the meantime, but I'll get some of Dave's input if he's, if he catches any of it and then, uh, we'll incorporate that then into the show as well. Sounds good. Anything else you want Sounds to add before? All right. So let's take her home. So otherwise you can check us out on YouTube, on Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. The audio versions should be up as well. I think I did last week's. So if I didn't, I'll have to make sure it's uploaded. But uh, this one will be uploaded for sure because we I got Wheel of Mercy references, guys. Got Wheel of Mercy. Uh, so I'll make sure that's on there. You can check it out on those different two locations. Otherwise, um, you know, leave a comment if you are checking out in the YouTube version. That always helps. If you're watching the YouTube version, like the video, subscribe to the channel, do all that good stuff. If you're listening to the audio version, enjoy. And if you can leave a comment somewhere, please do. For myself and Dave, while he's digging himself out of the ditch, he will see us probably in a couple of weeks. Or, you know, maybe we'll get a clip from him. Probably something says, ah, Will and Mercy, ah, stage manager. That's a callback, too. It <laughs> that's is. a different callback. Very different. <laughs> that, that, that's a deep cut, guys. You won't get that one. But uh, anyway, so that's it for myself and Dave. We will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. <laughs>